before they ran out the door, I wanted to do something that wasn't fast enough. We can still do it, though. The name of God be upon the children of our church. The name of God be upon children in the nursery and those caring for them. The name of God be upon teens, college students. May we give our lives away to bless and raise up the next generation. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. This is a great example of when going from worship into a sermon, it's a bad idea to do announcements. There's a couple things I need you to know. <clears throat> One of those is uh, Cindy's going to come up in just a moment and prep you for next Sunday's worship service. <clears throat> I believe God's doing some things in our lives as a church body and desires to continue to do those things in the upcoming weeks. You have opportunity beginning February 14th to participate in soul care. We'll be uh, meeting here Sunday nights. You could come Tuesday nights if that works better for you. We'll be meeting from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, going through the principles of soul care through a DVD presentation, but then having an opportunity to <clears throat> pray together, pray for one another. As we work through those principles leading up to Easter, after celebrating Easter together, uh, Dr. Rob Reamer, who wrote the book Soul Care, is going to come and be here, he and his wife, Jen, and lead us through a Freedom Weekend, which is principle number seven in soul care. What I want you to know <clears throat> is, uh, I believe it, it might get emailed to you this week. We'll have a number of ways to get this information to you, but we'd like you to register for the soul care weeks just so we know how many people are coming. So uh, Pastor Nick has put together uh, registration that'll be available through email and we'll put on the website and communicate it in some other ways. There'll be a second registration to be a part of the Soul Care Weekend. Just want to remind you, encourage you, you need to go through the principles of Soul Care in order to go the Soul Care Weekend, uh, Freedom Weekend, because otherwise it just won't make the impact in your life that God would desire. So, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider being a part <clears throat> of what uh, God wants to do in and through us. Made an invitation <clears throat> to college students for a free lunch next week with my lovely bride and I. You need to contact me, though, and so far, two of you have, which is great. Two of you are going to have an amazing meal. 
But if there's anyone else who would like to come, you need to text me. I appreciate those who did this and followed the instructions. They gave me their names. So text me. My number is 630-550-2266. Send me a text and say, Pastor Tim, this is, and I want food. That's all you need to do. Cindy, come on up. We've been in the midst of 40 days of prayer each week, as uh, Jen did for us this morning, a new topic is given, and with that, a different theme, there are daily devotionals. Uh, I've heard from a number of people who said they've really appreciated the prayer points at the end of each devotional because we can get in the rut of kind of praying the same things that we always pray for certain things or certain people. So to have someone else kind of prime the pump a little bit as to, oh, that's a, that's a good way to pray. That's a good way to lean into that. Uh, next Sunday, part of what we're doing is as a culmination, um, though it's still the last week, but of the 40 days of prayer is to celebrate together to celebrate what God has been doing uh, among us and in and through us. And so we're going to spend the bulk of that time unpacking that in worship and prayer together. Uh, I'm not going to be doing a sermon next week. Don't say amen or anything like that. You just, uh, 
going to uh, just have a devo- brief devotional around the Lord's table. We'll be ce- celebrating uh, communion together as part of that. And uh, I just trust it's going to be a special time uh, for everyone. And I'm grateful for people like Cindy Pels and others who have worked with her to plan this kind of stuff. Uh, just kind of gave them the 40 days of prayer thing and they ran with it. And so it's been a lot of fun to participate in. Got an email from my dear brother Joel Bunt this week when he saw the announcement saying it was part three of a series and he mischievously said, if you get to part X, 10, I will believe that you are stuck (laughs) and need help getting unstuck. To which I replied, I promise I will not go through part 1V. But that'll be two weeks out. James gets our attention at the beginning of this chapter because there are a few things that will cause us to reflect and consider important issues than when we are forced, compelled to look at some realities that every one of us will face. For James, he begins in verses 1 through 3 of James 5, talking about the reality of we're all going to die, and when we do, we'll stand before our Maker. I've entitled this section, The Rich Man's Nightmare, but I have been careful to say that this speaks to everyone, men, women, rich, poor. It speaks to anyone and everyone who has fully embraced or fully invested in the earth and looking to the earth and what it provides as their source of life. James, in chapter 4, verse 14, says, we need to wake up to the reality that life as we know it here on earth, is a mist. It's a vapor. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. And even if you live to be 103, in comparison to eternity, it's a mist. It's a vapor. And so he says, if you have, if I have invested all of my time, all of my giftedness, all of the juices of life all of my treasure, all my money, if you've invested all of those things into things that don't matter, when I spend those kind of things on myself, then when my physical life ends like a vapor, I promise you that when you die, redeemed or not, you will wake up to the reality that you wasted the resources of your life. Last week, I mentioned how all of that stirred me to three things that I believe we need to know and understand what James is saying relative to this principle. The first one, which I talked about last week, is the magnitude of this. 
making the point as this. This is not a peripheral issue. This isn't something James has kind of a pet peeve about. It is central to the gospel. This idea is central to the message and mission of Christ. Here is the redemptive pattern. God the Father, through Christ the Son, by the Holy Spirit, fills us with His riches. Now, I get to chuckle and smile here at how the Holy Spirit works because Colleen didn't know in my notes that I was going to have us turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Lavishly poured out onto you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I can't even wrap my head, I can't even begin to wrap my head around that, but at least part of what that means is this. His pouring out those riches on us is He has poured out to us His very life. He has poured out to us His love, His grace, His truth, His power. He has poured out to us His heart, His character. Why? So that we can do with them what He did with them, give them away. He pours these things out to us so we can in turn pour it out to others. And if you and I truly want to connect with the heart of God in this, become an extravagant giver. Become an extravagant giver. You cannot outgive God. We need to know the magnitude of this truth. It is central to one's walk of faith. It is key for us to be able to walk a worthy walk. The next thing we need to recognize and grapple with is this. There is a spiritual force at work in the world that opposes us to ever put the resources of our lives into play, into use. This force in the world is a spiritual force that works actively against us to keep us from living in freedom keep us from living in freedom with our time, with our talent, with our money, and putting them into proper use. For this force has a name. It has a face of sorts, and it has a clear purpose. Its purpose is to pull us down to the earth and to bind us to the earth so that we have no freedom to release the resources that God has given us, whether it be our time our talent, our money. It's mentioned four times in the New Testament, all by James. The most familiar is found in Matthew 6, 24, and in Luke 16, 13, where Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve two gods, which indicates Jesus is identifying this as a rival God. You cannot serve both God and money. If you look up those two references, Matthew 6, 24, Luke 16, 13, you will see in those references, you'll see that the word is money is capitalized. 
Why? Well, it's not referring to money. The Greek word there used is mammonus, which means or includes more than money. Mammon is a principality. Mammon is a power. It is a spiritual force behind money. Hear me now, this is very important. Money in and of itself is not evil at all, period. Money is a resource. And in the hands of God, in the hands of God's people, or people who think proactively, it is something for us to what? Use. Ideally, to use with this mindset, with this hard attitude that asks questions like, Lord, where am I? How am I to spend? How am I to use the resources that you've blessed me with? And in that context, it's something that God can use in incredible ways to further the kingdom of God. The problem, however, for many of us is this, that rather than being a resource, rather than proactively deciding where I should be spending the resources of my life, including, but not limited to, my money, mammon gets involved, and the spiritual force behind that gets involved. And the outcome is that instead of releasing it, it starts sticking to me. And I start focusing on it. And I start loving it. Becoming convinced that I need more, and I need more, and I need more, and I'm never satisfied. The purpose of mammon, mammon not just being money, but spiritual power behind money, in this negative sense, its purpose is to pull us down and to put us in bondage, in which place you can find no joy. You've all heard this question, even seems cliche. Do you own your possessions or do your possessions own you? Well, the purpose of mammon is to make sure that your possessions are things that you never really get to really enjoy. Instead, your possessions become things that possess and control you. If you wonder what that looks like, it looks like this. It's where the majority of my time and the majority of my energy and the majority of my talent is spent making sure that I keep my possessions, that I keep them working, whatever it is, making sure that I take care of those things and that I get more of those things. And when I'm living there, that, my friend, is bondage. Again, there's nothing wrong with money, nothing wrong with possessions, unless what you had to have And you finally got, and now what you finally got, it begins to consume all of your time, all of your money, all of your talent. When that's true, we're in bondage. The critical question that all of us need to ask is not whether I should have this or that. The critical question is, are the resources of my life, be they my time, my talent, my money, are they freed up enough so that I can put them into play for the kingdom? 
Is my life arranged in such a way that that is even possible? The purpose of mammon is to do everything it can in the spirit realm to make sure that you never even ask that question. To pull you down to the earth, to bind you up in the earth so much so that you never have freedom to release the resources that God has placed in your hands. That is mammon's job. Richard Foster, in his book, Money, Sex, and Power, said this about mammon. When Jesus declares that you cannot serve both God and mammon, he is personifying mammon as a rival God. He is making it unmistakably clear that money is not just some impersonal medium of exchange, but that it has power and it seeks to dominate you. John Milton, in his classic work, Paradise Lost, speculated further about mammon as a spiritual power when he wrote, Mammon was thought to be, even before the fall, the least upright of all the spirits. Even when mammon was in the presence of God, before the demonic hordes followed Satan in this rebellion against God, even then, mammonos, studied the streets of gold, looking more at the glory of the gold than the glory of the Father. Even when he walked around looking at the precious things beneath him rather than standing up straight at the precious one before him. The purpose of mammon is to bend you over to the earth. Now, when all of this comes together for me in my study, it just amazed me how this ties in with what we have been learning from James literally for months. And I think it's important that we tie this together and not miss it. Back in James 3, 13, it started with a question, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his or her good life. Let them show it by a well-ordered life. Ephesians 4.1, let them show it by a worthy walk life. James then contrasted two types of people who are operating in two different kinds of wisdom. First of all, there's men and women who are standing up straight in their faith into the life of God that only He can provide life for them. And when we, in humble submission to Him, we are drawing our life in our wisdom, that's how we do life. We call it vertical living. We've been talking about it since. Standing up straight into the life of God that He has afforded to me, James calls it wisdom from above. Wisdom to do life. He contrasts that kind of wisdom to men and women who are bent to the earth, trying to, from the earth, get from the earth what the earth cannot provide. And what the earth cannot provide is life. James called it wisdom from below. Listen, mammon calls you and me there. This will make you happy. This relationship will fulfill you. This pursuit, if you accomplish it. 
nothing wrong with money. Mammon is the power behind it. Money can be used as a resource. It can be used by God when men and women who are called by His name put it into play. Money can be used to bring me into bondage as well. The purpose and the job of mammon is to bind us to the earth. James 4, this theme continued about standing up straight or being bent over. He talks about spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery, we define this way, that beyond bentness toward the earth, as the earth is a source of life, we embrace it. This is my life. We make friends with the world, James 4, 4. And in that embrace, James calls that embrace no longer struggling with sin. We all struggle. We all stumble in many ways. What he's talking about here is, is the embrace of it. I don't just struggle with it. I love it. From that, we identify what we called the spirit of adultery And the spirit of adultery basically says this. It's my life. It's my time. It's my money. It's my career. It's my way. It's mine. Contrasted that spirit of adultery with the spirit of fidelity. That is reflected in and emanates from the true bride of Christ. Speaking to the groom who says, it's not my life. It's not my money. It's not my time. It's not my way. It's not my career. Here's why. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. By the blood of Jesus Christ, whom I serve, so I choose to align my life here. And I'm going to put into play all the resources and things that He has placed in my hands Sign me up again to live this way. That is the voice of, that is the spirit of fidelity. And we've been in that for months. Specifically the past few weeks. James has been saying it again in James chapter 5. Do you realize what we've been talking about over these months, again, specifically these past few weeks. I haven't used this word until now, but here's the word from James 3, verse 11, that we've been dealing with. Stewardship. Stewardship. Stewardship is simply this. When I begin to realize that as a serious follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, who you and I happen to love with all our hearts, that as a follower of His way, my life, my time, my money, my talent was not just given to me for me. Rather, it was given to me, yes, to enjoy, but also to be a steward of, to manage well. And here is the joy of it. When you and I come to understand it, I get to take all of the resources that he has made available to me, whatever they are, and I get to give them away for the purposes 
of the kingdom. It's a spirit of stewardship that is reflected in the hearts of God's people. It's living open-handedly. I have not been put here to just make a living. I have been put here, you have been put here, to make a difference. I've not been empowered by God to just make a living. I have been empowered by God to make a living, and I'm thankful for that. But the heart of the steward realizes that I've been empowered by God to make a difference. And the greatest joy in my life is in a person's heart is when a steward, when he or she begins to realize that the resources in their life, their time, their talent, their money, because they've been good stewards, have been freed up and been released for the purposes of the furtherance of the kingdom. And those investments show up in eternity. I am grateful, I'm thankful for the many in this room who understand and live out that principle. Understanding that it's not just about money, but how they've managed all of what God has blessed them with, and they've given it back to be used for His glory. Time, talent, spiritual gifts, But it's safe to say that there are others who have not yet come to apply these principles in every area of their life. We might be doing pretty well in some areas, but in other areas, when we're honest between us and the Holy Spirit, and He says, Tim, what about this? Well, that's mine. That's mine. Application. If you haven't asked the question before, starting now, 2021, stop for a moment and wonder where it is that you're spending the resources of your life. And to prayerfully ask the question, Father, would you rekindle our hearts to help us remember and see the things that are really important and that we really should care about and how we can better invest the resources that you've given us there? Question. Question number one. How do you break the power of mammon? that already has some of us bent to the earth, perhaps even feeling shackled? How do we establish and nurture a walk <clears throat> consistently with the Spirit of God? <clears throat> Question two of being a faithful and wise steward. So, how do I walk free? How do I walk it out consistently? Three things we're going to look at next week, nope, two weeks, to help us get set free and to walk as a faithful steward. Number one, if I want to break this, 
I need a fresh look of this. We even heard about it to get a, a glimpse of the face and the glory of God. Simply put, we need, we live in this world where we see the gold of the streets every day. What some of us desperately need is to have our eyes lifted up to something better and permanent. Guess who shines brighter than polished gold? Jesus Christ shines brighter. And I need, we need a glimpse of his glory. And that's where we're going. Another thing we need to do is we need a grip of grace. Because when the grace of God lands on you and grips our hearts, you know what happens? It opens up my heart. It opens up my hands and I let go of the things of the world. Third thing that breaks the grip of mammon, simple acts of obedience. Simple acts of obedience, and we'll talk about that some more as well. One of the things we do well in reminding each other of, and we were reminded of it this morning, Let's prayerfully go into this week with our eyes open. Where does God want to interrupt you? Where does God want to mess with your plan? Well, if I'm like this, it's going to be really hard to see. So even before we leave, we say, Lord, I want to walk with my eyes open. I want to walk this week with my hands open. And then as you bring me and help me see somebody that I just don't notice, help me to walk over there and give. Give what? Your time, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, a prayer. Make that investment this week. I think we'll be pleasantly shocked at what happens. Let's stand. Father, send us out from here, I pray. In your power, your strength, with our eyes and hearts set on you, with our hands open, that you might use us to make a difference. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.